Justice. Thank you very much. Good evening, friends. Happy to be here again tonight in the service of the Lord Jesus, trusting that your hearts are all on glow tonight with his blessings. Just a little weak in my voice. This is four months straight now without one bit of rest. And I've got two more meetings before I get any rest at Charlotte in Anchorage, Alaska. And I'm the tremendous impact of the anointing of the Holy Spirit gives such an awful weakening condition to me. Really, I wasn't supposed to have one healing service while I was in Carolina, any place. The manager's not here, and that's the reason I'm having it. If he's here, he'd pull me out of the meeting right now to see me do it. When I get this tired more, they take me in. But it's because I have never been here before, and I want to come back. You're lovely people, and I'm trying to do all I can for the kingdom of God while I'm here. And we're struggling pretty heavy. I just speak so much in open air, from city to city, from nation to nation. Tell my voice just gets tired. I just, not only that, but my body does. And I get so weak sometimes. Now, as far as physical strength, I'm pretty strong. But you don't realize what those visions does to a person. They just almost kill you. And they, there's no way it takes you hours to come out of it. And then one right after the other, and you can imagine what it does to the person. When it even made Jesus weak, we can realize about what it would be to a human being like ourselves. There's no way to explain it. You just, just have to go on. I couldn't explain it, and no one else could explain it, so you, you just have to take our word for it. But if you're a good Bible student, you'll understand if you know the Bible really correctly the way it's written. So we'll probably go ahead and have there. Now in Charlotte, we'll probably only have one healing service, and that'll probably be the Sunday afternoon. It's getting too tired, too weak, and some more of the managers going to be with me and I'm up there, so they probably will, he won't let me have it. But I'll <clears throat> probably at least have one night sometime or one Sunday afternoon at Charlotte. And then I'll probably cut it down to one night at Anchorage before we get some rest. Now, the thing is, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, went down in Egypt, every time he met a Hebrew, he didn't have to heal his hand with leprosy and perform a miracle with a stick. He'd done it one time, and that settled it. That's forever true. Well, see, there's where I do wrong. One time should settle it forever. See, with every congregation, it can be really proven of God and from the Scripture, and God does it one time, that should settle it. Every time Moses, could you imagine me, meeting someone saying, Now, wait a minute, I want to show you the Lord sent me. See, my hand's leprosy now. Now it's clean. See this stick? It's a snake. Now it's a stick. Wait and get the next Hebrew and say, now here, here's my hand, it's leprous and that. No, no. He did it one time and that's it. They all believed him. But the Lord never sent me to do all this. I do it upon my own accord and that's the reason it bothers me so bad. Soon, there's something greater than this coming. You'll soon be here. It'll be marvelous then. If the Lord... Willing. How many ever read my last vision that's been wrote up in the magazine? Wait till you see that take place. Then this will be minor, what the Lord's fixed. And it'll just keep going on and on, on and on. Jesus is coming. The time of the gathering of the people is at hand. And we must look forward to great uh, 
things to happen. How many read this sermon uh, when omnipotence speaks, miracles happen? Did you? <clears throat> you believe that? Certainly, omnipotent spoke at every junction. And when the church cooled off, and then omnipotent spoke, miracles takes place. And this is the junction of all junctions. This is the end time. The end of the whole history of the world is right now at hand. So you can expect omnipotence to speak, and you can expect the greatest and mightiest miracles that's ever happened on the earth will happen in the next few years to come. Jesus tarries. It will be. Then watch for Satan to raise up his too. One of the one that is all heaven turns loose, all hell turns loose too. And it's prophesied that there be a jambers and jambus on the earth in the last days. Who would almost impersonate the real thing so close to deceive the very elect if possible. See? So we're looking for all of that. So my Christian friend, the best thing for you to do and I to do is to stay just as close to the Lord Jesus as we can. Love him and pray daily that God will help us and guide us. That we'll be on his side when the end finally comes. That's our desire of our heart. Now I'm sure if we're sincere in our heart and study his word and receive all that he has for us. Will not be deceived by the Antichrist and his his power. Did you notice the Antichrist can do everything but heal? He can't heal. Did you notice Jambres and Jambres when they stood against Moses? They could do everything but heal. They could bring curses, but they couldn't take it away. See, God's the only healer there is. He's the only one can heal. And today we have the finest hospitals we ever had, finest doctors we've ever had. Smartest doctors, the best doctors, the best drugs we ever practiced with. Don't you believe that? Yes. And we got more sickness than we ever had. Why? We got more sin and unbelief than we ever had. Unbelief is sin. What is sin? Unbelief. Smoking, drinking, committing adultery, lying, stealing, that's not sin. That's the attributes of sin. You do that because you're an unbeliever. If you was a believer, you wouldn't do that, see. Just because you quit drinking and quit smoking and quit drinking and committing adultery, that doesn't make you a Christian. You're a Christian because you are a believer. See? You are a sinner. You, you do the things that you ought not because the life that's in you makes you do it. The tree's known by its fruit. And you, if a tree looked like it was an apple tree and it was bearing pears, then it's a pear tree because the life in it is the life of a pear tree. I want to show you how simple it is. Just one little illustration can't keep my eyes off a little baby tonight sitting down here. It looks just like mine at home and it uh, makes you feel funny. Uh, um, all the medicine that we got in the world, we haven't got one medicine that will absolutely guarantee to heal a bad cold. Do you know that? Common bad cold. Hundreds of people dies every year with a bad cold. Doctors die every year with bad colds. That's right. Look, we haven't got a medicine in the world that'll heal a knife cut. Did you know that? Little simple knife cut. We haven't got a medicine to heal it. Oh, you say, Brother Brown, no, we haven't. If we got a medicine that'll heal a knife cut, it'll heal a knife cut if it was in my coat or on this desk. It would heal a knife cut. It'll heal it wherever it's at. Why you say, Brother Brown, now you're getting fanatically. Because medicine wasn't made to heal your coat or heal the desk. It was made to heal your body. All right. What if I cut my hand with a knife now and I fall down dead? 
The doctor comes in and pronounces me dead. They take me over to morgue or the funeral home. They embalm my body with a fluid that makes me look natural for 50 years yet. Let every doctor in the United States, Germany, and wherever the great scientists are, come in and give me a shot of penicillin every day. Sew that place up. Put all the methylate, sulfur drug, everything we got in it. In 50 years from the day, that cut will look just exactly the way it did when it was cut. If medicine heals the human body, why don't it heal it? Well, you say the life has gone out. That's right. Now, what's life? You tell me what life is, I'll tell you who God is. See, medicine doesn't build tissue. God builds tissue. See? Doctors, now I'm not condemning them. God knows. No, sir. We, we respect them and they're our, our friends or God's servants. And we respect them. And they don't claim to be healers. They only, they can come, now if you cut your hands, it's a good thing to do. Go to the doctor and let him sew it up. Put the drug and every, whatever he puts in to keep it clean. But he has to turn it over to God then to heal it. If you got a bad appendix, the doctor looks down and says, you have a bad appendix, sir. Well, we'll just trust God and take that thing out, all right? Go down and take it out, take it out, then the doctor sews it up. You're not well. He just takes the appendix out. Now, what about the healing? God has to do that. Is that right? You break your arm. Go down to the doctor. What does he do? Say, well, just a minute, I'll pour a little cure-all on it, and uh, that would be a quack. So just what he does, he sets the arm. That's what he knows. He looks through the x-ray and finds out he's got all the bones sitting right. He puts it in a splint, and you hold it that way for several days, and then God heals it. And you take, doctor never healed it, he just set it. God healed it, see. Now, don't condemn the doctor, and the doctor shouldn't condemn God. We should all work together. Don't you think so? There's mighty fine things today. It's too bad the selfish motives that are in man. Now we have chiropractic. The medical doctor condemns the chiropractor, the chiropractor condemns the medical doctor. Ostopac, they condemn both. And all of them together condemn divine healing. You know what I'm thinking? The osteopath does a lot of good things. The chiropractor does too. The medicine does also. Surgery does also. Even a medical doctor sometimes condemns a surgeon. The surgeon condemns a medicine doctor. What's the matter? Forgive me, doctor, whoever you are. I don't mean to insult you, but I'm only making a statement before people. We need you, and we need one another. It looks to me like that anyone that would condemn anything that would help anyone is a selfish motive. There's something wrong with a person. If we just all forget that, osteopath, chiropractic, medical doctors, surgeons, ministers, and all work together to try to help our fellow man to make life a little better for them, to make the journey a little more pleasant, I think God will be more pleased with all of us. Don't you think so? So if our motives are right, our hearts are right with God, we're trying to do everything we can to help make life a little more blessed for each one. That's my business here tonight. I don't come as a healer, for I'm not. I don't come as a medical doctor, for I'm not. I know nothing about the body. The only thing that I know, that there is a risen Jesus Christ. And he is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And I know his divine promise has promised us 
that the things that he did when he was here on earth would be reproduced again. Now, did he claim to be a healer? No. He never claimed to heal anyone. He said, it's not me that doeth the works, it's my Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Is that correct? Then what did he do? He was possessed with a power, or endued, I'd say, with a power. Excuse me. I didn't mean to say possessed. But he was endued with a power from God that he saw visions. And he told his disciples and all them who questioned him that he didn't do nothing until the Father of God showed him a vision on what to do. And he did just what the Father showed him to do. How many of those Bible readers that that's true and that's the Bible? Raise your hand. St. John 519. Jesus said after he passed through all those crippled people. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself because he never healed a one of them. He healed a man laying on a pallet that had a retarded disease 38 years. He said the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing, that doeth the Son likewise. The Father worketh, and the Son worketh hitherto. In other words, the Father showed him what to do. Now, you Bible scholars, you who have been looking for a superman to come, that does things just at random, you go out and whatever he wants to do, he does it. That never was in the Bible, and it never will be done by mortal beings in the will of God. If Jesus Christ, no man will ever live a life above his, and no prophet at any time ever did do anything without first God telling him to do it. Search the scriptures and see if that's right. Always, it's not the will of man, it's the will of God being shown to man. So now, may I explain this to you, that all sin and sickness was settled when God dealt with it at Calvary some 1900 years ago when his son died to save us from sin and sickness. He was wounded for our transgressions, with his stripes we were healed. That's what the scripture says. Now, I don't mean that he made one atonement for your sickness and one for your sins. He made one atonement, and that was for sin. And when you deal with sin, you've got to deal with every attribute of sin. The human races were taught in the scripture didn't have any sickness before sin came in. And then when sin came in, it, sickness was issued in as an attribute of sin, which had to bring death. Sin is death. And sickness follows sin. Weary follows sin. Did you ever notice what a horrible thing weary is? There's not one value in it at all. I was speaking here some time ago to a group of, of, of men at a club in a city. And uh, I said, there's not one value if you're supposed to go to be killed in the morning. I said, weary would not help you one bit. I seen one man kind of look down and kind of laugh, and he said, well, what would faith do? I said, sign your pardon. <laughs> That's right. Weary, there's no value in it. Faith, so just get away from weary and have faith. If the doctor's done all he can for you, the man's done all he knows how to do. He's done to the end of his knowledge. He doesn't know nothing else. And a good, honest doctor will tell you, That's all I can do. Now, many times he'll tell you, May the Lord help you and bless you. And males up there, when they turn people down, they say, say sometimes them things, God be merciful to you. And if we ever find anything, we'll call you back. They're trying to help someone.
trying to make life better for somebody. That's what we all should be doing. Trying to help each other as neighbors along life's journey. Now, then we have a right, then we come to God and ask Thee for His help. And that's what we're here for tonight. Now, if I'm telling you that work is already finished, which the Bible declares that it is finished, then what could I do for it if it's already finished? The only thing I can do is point you to the time it was finished and the scripture that says it was finished. And that's about all that can be done. It rests upon your personal faith in the finished works of Jesus Christ at Calvary. That's the only gospel that I know that's written in the Bible. The work was finished at Calvary. And we only look to that place. And by faith, we draw dividends off of our eternal salvation. This is the earnest of our salvation, the scripture says. Then, friends, if, there's, if there is no uh, earnest to healing, then there's no resurrection of the body. If salvation only pertains to the soul, that when we die and all of our, our corruption of our mind and our thoughts are changed when we come into the presence of God, and this change that we have now by the Holy Spirit, if that's the, the earnest of our eternal salvation, sure, that's the down payment, the proof that there is a place where we'll go beyond temptation and there will be no more sin. Then there has to be an attribute, if there is, I mean an earnest, if there's a resurrection. And if there's no divine healing, there's no resurrection. So we believe in the resurrection and divine healing is the earnest of our resurrection. I can give you statements of people who's been, according to medical science, laying dead on the cancer society. Been dead 10, 12 years ago. Living in lives and hiding as they can be. What is it? It's the earnest of our resurrection. Now, we look and live, we believe. Now, Jesus, when he died, after making that promise, he said the same things that he did, that the church would do until he returned again. I'll be with you, in you, to the end of the world. The things that I do shall you also, greater than this or more than this will you do, for I go to my Father. God was operating through one human being, Jesus. And when he returned to God, he operates universally in every believer's heart around the world. I was surprised when I had my first service in Durban, South Africa. When we went in there that afternoon at the airport, there's some 35,000 or more waiting to receive us. And we walked to the meeting and no more in getting into the meeting, the Lord showed a vision of a car coming and a boy with one leg shorter than the other. Have you got that book? I don't know whether the boys has any more or not. Prophet visits Africa. And it told him and who he was and even told him what his name was. Told him he was healed. The boy come running down through there and he was normal and well. He was examined after a bit by some doctors. The next morning, the Medical Association of Africa called me up and asked me to have breakfast with him, which was a great honor. They said, we opened every hospital door to you, Reverend Brandon. Said, for you have helped us more. Now, down there, it was something on order, and no disregards to you, my friends. It's Christian science, like on the Afrikaans AFM church. They didn't believe in even having a doctor. It was a sin to have a doctor in your house. To them. 
And they said, there's many of those people that we could help if we could only get into. And said, they love you and they believe you. And when you told them that, that the medical profession was of God and, and God would help the people through medical profession, said it opened doors to people that, that we couldn't have got to otherwise. Well, I said, brother, that isn't uh, no, so much as I said it for, it is for you also, but it, it's the word. God said so. And that settles it when God says it. And so we know the great things are done in the hospitals and amongst doctors. And so therefore, we've got to recognize that to be of God because all good things come from God. All good things. What if I had to walk tonight back down home? What if I had to walk to my home about 600 miles away? Well, that would be terrible. What if I went in an ox cart? But science has produced an automobile. I thank them for it. I'm very glad. I accept it. What if I had to wash my hands with sand like they used to years ago? But science has perfected soap. I can clean it much better. See? Well, then if I have to condemn the doctor, I have to condemn the soap, and I have to condemn the automobile, and I have to condemn all those things. See? So wake up now. Be real, wide awake Christians. Look to Jesus Christ. If the doctor's done all he can do, Christ is sure to heal you. Not to heal you, but to prove to you that he's already healed you. Now, first, it's spoke by the word. Then, if you don't believe the word, then being he is risen from the dead, and we believe that. And listen, Christians, I want to ask you this solemn question. Isn't it a wonderful thing tonight to know that our Christian religion, thank hard now, is the only religion on the earth out of the hundreds and hundreds of them that can prove that their founder and savior is a living. Buddha died 2,500 years ago. Mohammed died around 1,900 years ago. Different religions. Their founders are dead, buried. They got the memorials at the grave. But we got an open tomb. Not only that, the Jews couldn't believe it. They said that some of his disciples come stole it away. They're always trying to figure some way out, some mechanical way. But Jesus knew that. Knew they would do it. But he said... A little while in the world won't see me no more, yet you'll see me, for I'll be with you, in you, to the end of the world. The things that I do shall you also. And tonight, in our midst, Jesus Christ, God's Son, is a living here with us, on the mission, on the present, omnipotent, infant, immortal God, living with us now. Right here in Spindale, North Carolina, on this night. He's here. He's everywhere. And if you'll submit yourself to him and believe him, the same works that was performed when he was here on earth, he'll perform them right back again. There's not another religion in the world that can do that. Outside of Christianity. May the Lord bless while we speak on his word and read it just for a moment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father... As the hours are growing late, men and women are here from different places and different occupations in their journey, their pilgrimage here on earth. And we pray that your blessings will be upon each of us as we serve thee. And Father, we pray that you'll take the motives of our heart tonight and express it through thy word to the people that they might know that we are here to be your servant and to give to them thy love through thy word and that they might know that you're alive 
and that their hope that rests in eternal, immortal life beyond this shadow that we live is correctly, your words are true. Now come and speak, our Heavenly Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name, thy Son, amen. In the Word of God, St. Luke, 24th chapter, the 30th first verse and the 32nd inclusive. Listen to the reading of the Word. I love to read the Word because faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Word of God. My words is a man's word. They perish and fail just like yours or anyone else's. But his word will never fail. It's the imperishable word of God. Listen close. And their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said unto one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way while he opened unto us the scripture. And now may the same Lord Jesus open to us the scripture. Now there's many people, if anyone is able physically to turn the pages can open the Bible this way. But there's no one can interpret it and open it to us but Christ himself. John saw in the Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, and... He that sat upon the throne had the book in his hand, and no man in heaven or in earth or beneath the earth was able or worthy to take the book, to loose the seals, or even to look thereon. And a lamb, as it had been slain from the foundation of the world, come and tuck the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne and opened it and loosed the seals. That's the Son of God. May he open it to our hearts. Being about a weak throat, just speak for a few moments and then start our prayer line in the next 15 minutes or so and pray. Now give me your undivided attention. Our little scene is tonight the first beautiful morning of the resurrection. And it wasn't a thing that like is scattered across the world now. The resurrection to us now means much more than it did to them that morning because Many did not believe it. We're following two disciples. One of them's name's Cleopius. The Bible doesn't give what the other's name was. The scripture says that these men were ignorant, unlearned men. They didn't have any education. But they knew him. And I think that education is wonderful. But I would rather know him in the power of his resurrection than to have all the education the world could give me. Education is wonderful, but to know Him is life. And these disciples knew Him, but because a disappointment had come up, they had forgotten all of His words. And isn't that just about like we have it today? When one little disappointment comes about something, someone comes in and misconstrues something, and then we go to say, oh, well, it's all fanaticism. Maybe there's nothing to it after all. Isn't that just the human race? Well, I know divine healing isn't real because I know Mrs. Jones was prayed for and she didn't get well. 
That doesn't have one thing to do with God's promise. That had to do with Mrs. Jones's faith or the will of God. See? Now, but they had forgotten all of his words, that what he said he would raise on the third day. And they were present when he said it, when he's talked to his disciples. But they had forgot all about it. Sorrow had come. They had seen a man that they had raised the dead. After being dead for four days. And seen that man let soldiers spit in his face. And seen a man who could stand and by the power of God tell people in the audience of his audience, even can perceive their thoughts. He could foretell things that would happen perfect the way he said it would be. Even to send an apostle down to catch a, the first fish and to take a coin from his mouth to pay tribute. They seen how great he was and accurate in his predictions. Never fail one time. When he told a person something, it was always perfect. And we see that man now with a, the Roman soldiers has wrapped a rag around his face so he couldn't see and was hitting him on the head with a stick and saying, now you tell us if you're a prophet, prophesier, you tell us who hits you, we'll believe you. We've seen a man who was able to do all these things and then in weakness seemingly defeated. It broke their faith. It should not have. But it did. And it does yet. We see the man who could call a dead man from the grave, who could do all these wonderful miracles and see him hang on the cross with great spittle all over his face with his beard and face bleeding where the soldiers jerked out his beard and spit in his face and seen him with his back beat to a pulp where 30 and 9 stripes, they couldn't put 40. And did you know there's 30 and 9 major diseases in the world today? 30 and 9 stripes across his back with a cat of nine tail, leather sockets in it with lumps of lead, beating till his ribs showed through. All my bones stare at me, he said in the Psalms. And to see the Jews and the religious men of that day, the high churches, the scholars, the educators, walk around saying, now if you are Christ, come down from that cross and we will accept you. We'll believe you. They wouldn't have. And how could a man that was that powerful one time lose all of his power overnight? I wonder if we aren't thinking the same thing of a Pentecostal church 1900 years ago who went about preaching the gospel and healing the sick, seeing visions and miracles taking place with a living resurrected Jesus in it, and all of a sudden lost its power. Did you ever think of it that way? That's right. There was something, their hearts were heavy, like many believers today. They still loved him. And all the time, on this wonderful first Easter morning, Jesus was alive in the springtime of the world. 
And they didn't know it. And it's the same thing today. Jesus is alive. And many people who love him don't recognize it yet. They're worshiping him as a creed. Or as someone who once lived. Someone who was once powerful. Someone who once could call God and have things done. They worship him as a historical God. But what good is a historical God today? If he isn't the same God today, what good is he to you? If the God of Elijah doesn't live today, then what good is the God of Elijah to you? It's like taking a bird and putting him in a cage and feeding him orthodox food. To make him have strong wings and then put a cage around him so he can't fly. That's the way we do in our churches. We want to be so precise and so orthodox. But yet people, people caged up to a dead religion. A creed of a man that once lived. He's a man that lives today. He isn't dead. But as it was then, those who loved him, many of them didn't know it. And those who had brought a report of it, they didn't believe him. So is it today. Some are bringing the reports of the resurrection. God omnipotent, all-powerful, still lives. But many doesn't believe it. So these two disciples on the road, they were thinking about him. And as they thought about him, he stepped out of the side of the road and began to talk to them. And they didn't know it. That's the way. Now here it is. Get it. I'm sure the reason that we don't see more of Christ, we're always talking about something else but Christ. If you let your conversations be upon Christ and upon His finished works and His goodness, instead of so much stuff that we do think about all day long, Christ would appear more often to us if we'd only look at it in that way. And as they're going along, speaking about him, he walks along their side. And they don't recognize him. Many times he's been at your side. Yonder in a hospital. When your doctor turned you down, all he could do. But you got well. You didn't realize that's who it was. When that car went right in front of you, and you slammed the brakes and just barely missed him. You didn't realize that's who it was sitting at your side. He's been with you in so many things. When the barrel was empty during the Depression, the children had no clothes. You never know where the next meal was coming from. Somehow, you made it. You didn't realize it was Him. See? How you've been blessed, if you only knew that's Him that you love, that's with you. As they went along, He said to them, Why are you so sad? I wonder if he'd say the same thing to this little gathering here tonight. Why are you so sad? What makes you so weary? Why, they said, are you just a stranger? They didn't know him. And you don't know who that is sitting right next to you tonight. The Bible said we have entertained angels unaware. God sending his spirit to an individual and that individual is a mouthpiece. When you receive that individual, you don't receive him, but you receive him that sent him. 
Jesus said, when you receive me, you receive not me, but you receive my Father that sent me. You get it? We laugh at a preacher sometimes, a good gospel preacher, because he disagrees with our theology. We make fun of him sometimes and even call him that scandalous name of Holy Roar, fanatic. You don't know, you might be talking about God when you do that. For the Bible has said, Insomuch as you have done unto the least of these little ones that believe in me, you have done it unto me. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Not all that say they believe, but these signs shall follow them that believe. That's how you know them. See what I mean? Now, notice as he goes on, he begins to speak to them. And notice quickly, Jesus will always go to the Scripture. He began with Moses. And he said, all foolish, slow of heart, to believe all the prophets, not to believe all the prophets said? In other words, are you so slow at heart not to preach the full gospel? Not part of it, all of it. He said, are you so foolish? Don't you know that all the prophets have said had to be fulfilled? And he began to explain to them the need of the fulfilling of the scripture that the prophets have said. I feel very religious right now. Surely you know what I'm speaking of. Would we be so slowful and so foolish of mind to confine ourselves to a book of creeds and lay aside the Bible and say the days of miracles is not past or is past when Jesus said, I'll be with you to the end of the world. And the things that I do shall you do also, even more, for I go to my Father. How could we be so slowful? Jesus rebuked them. Said, you should have known that the Scriptures. And as they journeyed on, the day become drawing nigh to the close. And they were very interested. They know that that man spoke a little different from ordinary line of clergymen. And as he went along the road... Now they got near the city where they were going. How quickly now as we come to a close. Listen. As they got near to the place where they were going to stay, he made out like he was going to go on by. The Bible said he did. Now many times, he makes out like he's going to pass you by. Well, last night there was chairs sitting here and cots laying here. Tonight the chairs are empty, the people are here. And the cots are empty and the people are here. Well, why don't he get me? Well, a lot of times he makes out like he's going to pass you by, but he never does. He just does that. You remember Blind Fanny Crosby's hymn, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Watch him. He makes out like he's going to go by them. But they constrained him to come in. They persuaded him to come in. Oh, come and abide with us. And he's never invited unless he comes. When you will invite him and open up the doors of your heart, Christ will always receive that invitation. He's waiting and longing and anxious 
to get to that invitation. If it's preaching the word, if it's seeing his works, if seeing the sunset, seeing the sunrise, watch the flowers bloom, or the prophet prophesying, miracles or signs, whatever it is, he's trying to speak to your heart to get in. Did you know that? Now, you asked him to come in, and he'll come in. And then when he got them on the inside, now here it is, notice. Once on the inside, the doors closed. The little restaurant that they went into. Once on the inside, seated at the table, they ordered bread and the waitress went to get the bread, brought it back and laid it down while they were sitting there in silence, watching each other. The... Uh, the doors closed on the outside world. Jesus made himself known to them by doing something that he did before his death and burial to prove to them that he was the very Christ that was dead, was with them doing the same thing he done before he was crucified. You see it? Now, tonight, if you'll only shut off your theology for a few minutes, shut off your wearies, and take Christ into your heart, close off the world all around you, and just let Him come in, and He'll do something here tonight, just like He used to do when He was here on earth, before the resurrection, and you'll see that He is the risen Christ. Quickly, he vanished out of their sight. And they ran back, light-footed, light-hearted, saying that indeed the Lord has risen from the dead. We know it. We've seen him do something just the same way he did it before his crucifixion. And to us, he is risen from the dead and alive forevermore. That same Lord Jesus Christ I declare by His Word, is here tonight. And if you'll only let Him get into your heart, He'll do the very same things He did when He was here on earth, or I'm a false witness of the Bible and the resurrection. Challenge of that, how could you turn it down? If He will, will you receive Him? Would you raise your hand and say, I will receive it. If He will return to this building tonight, and will do the things that he did when he was here on earth, I myself will believe. Now, don't notice my poor education. I'm not much of a preacher. But I do know him. And I, I know him in his resurrection. And I declare that if you've ever received him in any way, you know him. But you, you must have faith in him. Now, when he was here on earth, I remember he did claim to be a healer. He saw visions. A woman touched his garment and ran out into the audience. And Jesus said, I got weak. Who touched me? Peter said, well, who touched you? Well, everybody's touched you. He said, yes, but I got weak. He said, who touched me? He looked all around through the crowd. Everybody denied. The woman denied herself. She said, I've never done it. All, the, all of them denied, the Bible said. Everyone denied they're doing it. But Jesus knew that somebody there was telling something wrong. 
So he looked around until he found the little woman. She'd had a blood issue for so many years. He told her that her faith had made her well. Then she come and fell down at his feet and confessed all. If that was Jesus yesterday, the Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If that's what he did yesterday, he'll have to do it today in order to be the same. When, he, when Philip went and got Nathaniel, as we quoted last night, and he found him way around behind the hills, several miles, and brought him back. And when he come up and stood before Jesus, Jesus said, you are a believer, an honest man. Why well, he said, Rabbi, now wait a minute. When did you know me? You've never seen me in your life, and how did you know me? Why well, he said, uh, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree over there praying, before Philip called you, I saw you. He said, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. But what did the church people say? The people of the big church. They said, this man is the chief of all the fortune tellers. The devils. He's Beelzebub. And what did Jesus say to them? Listen now for your own soul's sake. He said, I'll forgive you for that. Who speaks against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. But when the Holy Ghost comes, and if you speak against Him, then when He's doing the same thing that I am, that'll never be forgiven you in this world or the world to come. Bible readers, is that true? It's the unpardonable sin. Why? Because the Bible said that He was standing there with the Spirit of God doing these things, telling that man who he was and where he come from, and they said he was a fortune teller, saying he had an unclean spirit, calling the works of God an unclean spirit, which is blaspheming. Anyone knows what blaspheming is? Blaspheming, the Holy Ghost, is an unpardonable sin which will never be forgiven in this world or the world to come. So if you don't understand, just keep still and go ahead and don't say nothing about it. Be best. A woman came one day, speaking to him. Peter come up, and he knew who he was. He said, your name is Simon. Your, your father's name is Barjonas. He said, but you'll be called Peter from henceforth. He knew as the Father revealed it to him. I said, I don't do nothing but what the Father shows me, and then what he shows me that I do. Now, if that was the Jesus of yesterday, that's the Jesus today, if he is risen from the dead. If he hasn't, then it's just a cold church formal creed like we all teach and go on. That's all. One man lived a long time ago. He was called the Son of God. He died and rose again, but he's gone away. There's nothing to it no more. We just worship as a creed. We come to church and do the best we can, hoping that someday that there will be a manifestation of his presence. That's not what he said. I'll be with you in the things that I'll do. I'll be doing in you to the end of the world. That's right. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, enough has been said by man. Now let the Holy Spirit continue on the service, Lord. And I pray that you will grant tonight that the Holy Ghost will so represent you here that the people of this community that is gathered in this building tonight may be without an excuse at the day of the judgment Oh God, 
as you said to Cleopius and them, don't you know the scripture must be fulfilled? And if you said that you'd be with us to the end of the world and would do the same things through us that you did, mustn't the scriptures be fulfilled? You said it in the last days, this day that we live, that when the great signs and wonders would be taking place, the Jews would be returning for the third time to Palestine, the end sign would be lifted up, all the great signs of the world would be taking place like it is today. You promised in that day you'd pour out both former and latter rain, and that signs and wonders would be wrought among your people again. You promised it, Father. And we know that your words are true. Now, as your poor, unworthy servant, and as all of us together are your unworthy servants, but we now submit ourselves to thee and yield to the working of the Holy Spirit. That if there be some here, Father, who doesn't know you in the power of your resurrection, may it come to pass tonight that they will believe on you and have mercy on the sick and afflicted. And may each one catch the vision of your finished work and your everlasting eternal life, which you are the possessor of, and give to us as we believe. And declare yourself to be alive tonight, Holy Father God, as we pray and ask these blessings in Jesus Christ's name, my Son. Amen. Now I'm going to ask this, which is usually a custom that I do. Now to you people who haven't been in the meetings before. I will admit that connected with divine healing is much fanaticism. Jesus said there would be. Connected with all religious moves are fanatics. Just visiting an India and watching a hypocrite lay there trying to clown for somebody, roll his back on some spikes, walk through some glass, just remember that in the interior there's a genuine person who is doing it for the sacrifice for his soul. But that's a clown. We have it in all different kinds of churches. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Luther, Pentecostals, everywhere else. That's the reason I don't belong to any church. I belong to the one church. That's the body of Christ. And all these members are made up out of different churches. As they believe and God receives them. So have faith tonight and believe. But now, if you are an unbeliever... I don't believe I would stay any longer in the meetings. I believe I would go and wait and come back tomorrow night and listen to another service. For I don't think it would be profitable for you. For you have to take my word of just a few nights here. But some horrible things has happened in the meetings when Christ, the Holy Spirit, begins to move among the people and diseases and demons. See, we call it tonight, we got medical names. Call it cancer, epilepsy, and all kinds of things. But Christ called them devils. The word devil is a tormentor. Like a person that's deaf and dumb. The doctor would examine that person. Now listen close. He'd say, well, the nerves is dead in the ear. 
or on the vocal cords. The nerve is dead. That's the reason they can't speak there or they can't hear. There's no vibration. It's dead. Well, why did it die all over the body then? I don't know. He said it just died there. Well, the thing of it is what the doctor works on is what his five senses will declare. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. Has anybody here ever heard the old Missouri uh, thought, seeing is believing? Did you ever hear that? You want to see how foolish that is? Just a minute. Let me show you something. Over here, please. Here's a man standing before me with a gray suit on. He's got a striped tie. He's quite a bit larger than I am. How many believe that? Why? You see Step back this way. Now, I cannot see the man. It's impossible for me to see him. But do you want to argue with me he's not there? I know he's there, just as well as if I was looking at him. And I can't see him. Then seeing is not believing. I've got a sense of feeling. And I can feel him. And the sense of feeling is just as reliable as the sense of seeing. How many senses are there in the human body? Five. See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. Now, uh, now I can contact him in my sense of feeling. Now, I cannot contact him in my sense of feeling. It's dormant. But my sense of sight says he's there. Now, seeing is believing now. But feeling is believing now. Where's the pianist? Argument or something. Give us a little note, would you, sister? How many believes there's music? Let's see your hands. How many of you sees it? Raise your hand. Did you see it? Or oh, did you raise your hands for then the seeing is believing? Hearing is believing now, isn't it? See? Hearing is believing. Now, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you do not see, taste, feel, smell, or hear. You believe it. Your body has five senses. None of them senses contact God. God give you them five senses to contact your earthly home here on earth. But you contact God by faith. That's a, this great mechanical age that we live in. People's got, it's got to scientifically prove it. Like Moses, if he'd stand there at the bush, what if he'd been a modern man today? And the bush was on fire. What if he said, now wait a minute, I'm going to take this bush and leaves off of it and I'm going down to the laboratory to give a chemical test and find out why them leaves didn't burn that fire on See? In those days, when a miracle was done, they took a man's word for it and went on because they know it was supernatural. But today, they've got to run it through the scientific test. And you can't prove God by scientific test. God is believed. And you know Him by faith. A fellow said to me not long ago, he said, Brother Branham, anything that's not scientifically proven is not real. I said, I'll just contradict that, brother, and say that anything that is scientifically proved isn't real. Oh, he said, that don't sound intelligent. I said, I know it don't sound intelligent, but it's correctly intelligent. The real things of life cannot be scientifically proven. He said, if it isn't scientifically proven, I can't accept it. I said, are you a married man? He said, yes, sir. You love your wife? Yes. I said, scientifically, tell me what love is. What part of you? Sure, pull it out here. Let me see it. Analyze it. Let me see what part's love that makes you love that woman different from anyone else, makes you love your children different from other children. What's scientific? 
I said, have you got any mind? He said, certainly. I said, scientifically, show me what your mind is. Can't be done. Certainly, but it's real. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, patience. All those are God, and they're the real thing. The scientific things are perishable, come from the earth. But the unscientific things are the real things that come from heaven. God, Holy Spirit, angels, supernatural. They're the everlasting things. Believe on the Lord. Don't try to scientifically prove anything. Just have faith in God. Remember, there was two trees in the Garden of Eden. How many knows that? One of them was a tree of science. The other was a tree of faith. As long as man eat from the tree of faith, he lived. But the first bite he took off the tree of science, knowledge, he separated himself from God. And he destroyed himself. And every time man bites from the tree of science, he destroys himself. He bit off gunpowder. Kills his comrade. He bit off automobile off the tree of science. Kills more people and all the wars put together. He's bit himself off a cobalt bomb. Now I wonder what he's going to do with that. See? Science destroys faith bills. I have nothing against the tree of science. It's done wonders. But you can't depend on it. Here's where you have to depend on your faith. It's everlasting. Believe on God. Believe that he's raised from the dead. And may he come into your lovely audience tonight and show himself alive to you by working through his church. Is my sincere prayer. What was them cards? These one to a hundred. I'm not going to call too many up tonight. How many were sure last night? Let's see your hand. Did you notice there's more people here in the audience there is on the platform anyhow? It isn't. The thing is sure is just to get somebody up here so you stand up here to be, start the Holy Spirit moving among the people. So I, last night I think I called from one to fifty in them cards that they give out. I think tonight I'm just going to call about the last fifteen of them, say eighty-five to a hundred. Just stand those up here and see. Just maybe we get to a few of them, four, five, ten, maybe all of them, maybe more. If not, then we'll start back. We get through them and come through some more. Depends on what the Holy Spirit does. Look at your little card. I don't have any one of them laying here, but it's a little bitty card, about so big. Now I want each one to look at the person next to you, because it might be somebody deaf and can't hear, might be somebody crippled and can't stand up. And now when your number is called, you answer your number. Otherwise, just be reverent, sit still, wait for your number. Now, who has prayer card 85? Raise, I think, 85, 95, 100. Yeah, that'd be 15. Who has prayer card 85? Would you raise your hand? Over here, would you come back on this right side, ladies, so you can get up and down the steps? 86. Would you raise your hand, please? All right, 87. Come over here, lady. 87. 88. 88. All right. 89. I'll see. We can legitimately, without any squeezing and out any pushing and out any trying, get every one lined up perfectly in line. 89, 90. Who has prayer card 90? All right, sir. Uh, a boy just announced that tomorrow night, you sick people come in to get cards. Instead of chasing all over the building, they're going to rope off the first 10 sections in each row for sick people only. And, and these first 10 rows on each side tomorrow. Is that right? First 10 rows. All right. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That'd be 80, 
85, 86, 87, 89, 90, 91, 92, or 91, 92, 92, would you raise up your hand? Somebody got prayer card 92, look at somebody by you now, maybe somebody deaf, can't hear their number call. 92. Is yours 92, lady? 92. 90 what, sister? 93. Is it 92 here? Just in one moment. See, I don't want no one to miss your turn. All right, 93 then. 94. 95. 96. 97. 98. 99 and 100. Let's see if all of them can get up. And... It does not have a prayer card now. Now listen real close. See? Don't be a bit alarmed. Don't be nervous. Be quiet. Now this is the church of the Lord tonight. The church of God. I know it's an arena used, but tonight it's dedicated for the Lord. See? So now, how many here that does not have a prayer card, but solemnly you believe every word the Bible taught, and you believe that Jesus Christ is here, and you believe that he, and he will, and he is just exactly the way we've explained him, he's raised from the dead, and he's here, and you want him to heal you. Would you raise your hand? I just thought I'd get a, an idea of where they were at, but you, every, it's just solid everywhere. I don't understand. If I call without the prayer card, then, uh, somebody that's got a prayer card, well, don't see. I'm wanting those who does not have prayer cards that won't be in the line. But it's just a solid bank. You wouldn't know. So I have no way of stopping your faith. That's between you and God. But you look and believe. Now, if Jesus has risen from the dead, and you're sitting out there, and you believe with all your heart. And if he's risen from the dead, can your faith touch him today, scripturally speaking, like the woman touched him when she had the blood issue? Can it be done? Yes. You say, you say you're a fundamentalist? Yes, sir, I am. All right. Then what about the scripture? The Bible said that he is now a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Is that right? Plead your case to him. Tell him, don't try to get up here. There's nothing in me. I couldn't do nothing. But it's in him. So let your faith touch him. Then if I'm yielded and become his mouthpiece, then he is obligated to answer your faith. Is that right? To turn right back around and do the same thing that he did to the woman that touched his garment. Now, if he'll do that, all that have promised to believe on him say, Amen. Now, may the Lord bless you. Now, I'm going to ask you, little fellas, something for me tonight. Will you do it? Jesus loves you, little fellas. I know it's warm in here and you're restless. But I'm going to ask you, with mother and dad and all of you, will you just be real quiet for a few minutes or sit real still, see? Of course, I know mothers and little babies, they can't, little fellas are upset, so forth. You can't help that. But if you're, if you just sit still a few minutes, just sit quiet, see? When the Holy Spirit comes, each one of you people become a, a, like a live wire. See? 
and the Holy Spirit is a light. How many knows the Bible says that? How many know that Jesus Christ is in the form of light? Now, let's see your hands. How many, has anybody got a picture of him here now that was taken there with me down? down? Not because, somebody got the picture, raise up your hand. Somebody's got one of the pictures. The pillar of fire, here it is, right here. Here it is. The pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. This is scientific. If I die tonight, my testimony is true. The scientific world has proved it. The church knows it. So that, that settles it. George J. Lacey proved that. Right there. And now you see this? It's a light. When the children of Israel was led by the angel of God through the wilderness, what was it? A pillar of fire. Is that right? 13th chapter of Exodus. God kept it. In the daytime, it looked like a white light. Hit like a cloud. In the nighttime, it was a light. Now, that was Christ. How many knows that? Well, if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and if he said, I come from God, and I go back to God, then when he was here on earth, he was a man in flesh. When he returned back, his corporal body went into the presence of God, and he turned back to light. Is that right? If he's the same as he was when he was with Moses. Now, is that scriptural? When Paul was on his way down to Damascus, what was it struck him down? What did he see? A light. Is that right? And he said, why persecutest thou me? He said, who are you, Lord? Called the light, Lord. Who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. So he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see it? Now he's spirit now called the Holy Spirit. The same was God the Father leading Moses. Called God the Father the three dispensations, fatherhood, sonship, and Holy Ghost. See? It's the three offices of the same self-God. Tonight his office is here on earth in his church as the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost. Same God. That was in Jesus is in you. And if he's the same and correctly the same, the same things that he did then, he does now. If it isn't, then he isn't the same yesterday and for every change you're weakened in his death. Now, Now, just, if you just stand where you are, just a moment, lady. Now, how many people in this building is totally strangers to me? Let's see your hands everywhere. That you, as you know, I don't know you. All in the prayer line. Are you all strangers to me? Are you a stranger to me? Everywhere? Everybody's strangers. Then I don't know you. I don't know nothing about you. Never seen you in my life. But now... You say, Brother Bram, what are you stalling for? Sure I am. That's exactly right. I'm waiting for him. With, if he doesn't come to me, I, I, there's nothing I can do. That's right. But if he does come, then he can work. But I have to be anointed. Then it's your faith that pulls. See? Now here stands a woman. Here's a very perfect picture of a man and a woman again. Let me quote a scripture for the stranger. When Jesus of Nazareth was here on earth, as I'm talking to this woman now, now, Philip said he was a Jew. When Jesus told him where he was before he came to the meeting, he said, you're the son of God. 
You're the king of Israel. Now, all that knows that that's in the scripture, St. John, the first chapter, say amen. amen. All right. That was the Jews. But now here he goes up to the, Gen- to the Samaritans. And now he sits down and sends the disciples away. And a woman comes out, a woman of Samaria. She comes out to get some water. And Jesus carried a conversation with her. He began to talk to her, contacting her spirit. Father told him to go up there. He was contacting her spirit. And then when he found just exactly where her trouble was, he said, go get your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, that's true. He said, you've got five and the one you have now is not your husband. Isn't that right? Would you get a chair just and talk? Would you, somebody set up maybe in the chair. Be seated just a moment. And they said, you said, well, that I, I have no husband. He said, go get him. He said, I have none. He said, that's right. You got five. And the one you have now is not your husband. Now look what she said. Now look at this woman now. Listen, my subject, Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever, raised from the dead. She said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now we know, we Samaritans, we know that when the Messiah cometh, which is the Christ, when Messiah cometh, he'll do these things, he'll tell us these things, but who are you? And she sa- he said, I'm he that speaks to you. Now, if that was the sign for the Jew, for the Samaritan and Gentile and the whole world then, that he was the Messiah because he'd done those things, would not it be the same sign of the Messiah if he is the same tonight? Is that right? Then if he's raised from the dead... He's no more in a corporal body, but he's in our body. All that was in God, he poured into Christ, and all that was in Christ, he poured into the church. So it's just a continuation. That day you'll know what I'm in the Father, and Father, me, and I, and you, and see, all together. The Holy Spirit working among his people. Now here's a lady. I, I don't believe I ever saw her, as I said a few moments ago. God knows the lady. We've been raised miles apart. And first time of ever meeting in life. Now, if, there's, if that lady is here for some purpose, I don't know if she wouldn't be on the platform. But if the Holy Spirit will reveal to this woman, just like he did the woman at the well, and will find out what this woman's trouble is, and will correctly tell her, she's, she knows about that, whether that be true or not, wouldn't you, lady? You know where that is true. And if he would tell the same thing, would you all believe him now with all your heart? Now, to contact the woman's spirit. Now, please be real reverent and keep your seats. Now, the Holy Spirit is here. And I, I know that he is here. So be real reverent. Now, as I look to the woman, just a moment. Now, lady, I just want you to answer me as I talk to you. And then that'll be... Now, if I tell you, well, you come here and say this lady sitting here would say, Mr. Branham, I'm sick. 
Oh, I'd say, go ahead, you're healed. See, you're going to get well. She has a right to doubt that. She don't know me. She don't know how firm my words are. But what if someone, something comes here to me and tells me about it and what she is and what she's done or what about her? Then she'd scratch her head. She'd say, say, that man don't know me. That had to come from some other resource. Then whatever she classed it to be, that would determine what she got. She said, now, well, it's not of God. It never, never help her a bit. But if she believed it was of God and embraced it as God's promise, then God's obligated to his word. See? Like the man hit Jesus on the head with a stick and the, the woman touched his garment. She got virtue because she approached God's gift right. The man didn't. And that's the way it is. He was trying to say, show me something. That's the same devil that said, turn these stones into bread and do a miracle before me. I'll believe you. See, if you're the son of God. It's the same spirit lives right down through man. Now to contact our friend here, the lady, not knowing her, never seeing her, it would have to take... Now if you want to stand up now, you can stand up now. I just thought maybe I had you stand there too long that you were getting weak. And now, God knows us both. And someday you and I have to stand in His presence to give an account for everything that we've done in this life. That's right. We have to bow before Him sometime or other. Now, I've asked the engineer to watch my voice because I know it's low. But as I look to the woman and speaking to her, like Jesus did the woman at the well, a man and a woman standing together, Jesus was trying to contact her spirit to find out what her trouble was. And when he found it, he told her she believed it and said, that's the sign of the Son of God, the sign of the Messiah. That would be the same to us tonight. What? I'm just talking to you. Now, the lady who stands before me being a stranger, and as I'm yielding myself to God, and she's standing there knowing all what she's here for, I see her as she moves away from me. The first thing, the woman's all bothered. She's got a terrible nervous condition. That's true. And you got something wrong with your throat. That's right. And it's a dark shadow hanging there. It's a cancer. It's a cancer in your throat. You're scared about it. And you've got something on your mind you're worried about. You made some promises and didn't live up to it and so forth like that. You're studying of those things. And another thing it is, you've had cancer before. I see you going into a hospital or some kind of a place where these two doctors are standing. And that was a cancer too. And that cancer was on the breast. And they removed the breast, removed the cancer from the breast. That's thus saith the Lord. Is that true? Then raise your hand. You believe on the Lord Jesus now? He raised him the dead? Will you, you believe now? If he knows what was, he surely knows what will be. If he can tell you correctly all about your past, surely he'd know your future. Is that right? Well, I say by his word, if thou canst believe with all your heart right now, and here I am anointed with some kind of a spirit, 
you know that. I'm saying that for the audience benefit. If you accept it and to believe it to be the Son of God, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Then it has to be, doesn't it? Do you believe it? Well, come, let us pray. Our kind Heavenly Father, as I bow my head in thy divine presence and ask for mercy for this dying woman, and I pray that she'll go from here tonight and be a well person and just cause an old-fashioned revival to come to her neighborhood by the call, way of her healing. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you, lady. I go rejoicing and happy, doubting nothing, believing all things. Would you come? Now, let's just say praise the Lord. The Bible said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, I'm not emotionally, but I am emotionally, too. Anything without emotion is dead. So now, the lady stands here as a stranger to me. I do not know her and have never seen her. Is that true, lady? That's the truth. Only on tape have I heard you. Ma'am? Heard you on tape. On tape, all right. Now, please be just as reverent. Something happened there then, and I missed it. Don't be moving around, please. See, it, the angel of the Lord is a light, and I have to follow it as it goes from here. Now, be real reverent, please do, just for a little bit. They won't let me stay long under these conditions. But right now, there ought to be one shadow of doubt in anybody's mind. Every person ought to be believing right now with all your heart. Moses was sent to perform a sign to prove that God had sent him. I was sent to perform the sign to show you that Jesus lives today. And if he lives, every promise is true. He's alive to make good his promise. You ought to believe it, oughtn't you? But Bennett, we got people standing in the line. Don't move now because the diseases goes from one to another. See, please. Now, lady, as a stranger to you, I just speak to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, not knowing you and knowing that both of us will have to answer at the day of the judgment sometime when the secrets of all hearts shall be disclosed. We know. I just have to leave, friend, I suppose. See, if you believe me, you would, you would do what I told you to do. Please don't move around just for five minutes for the sake of the other people. Don't do it. See, it's, it's a contrary. See, that's the reason we can't get nowhere. If you believe, you do just as I told you. I said, I asked you if you had to go for the next 15 minutes to leave a few minutes ago. Now, please don't go. Please stand still just a few minutes. See, your spirit, a lot of you doubt. And when you move, that puts a con... You say, oh, Brother Brandon, that's psychology. Is it? Then Jesus did it when he taken Jairus' daughter and put everybody out of the house and went in to heal her. He did it when he took a blind man and went out of the audience and plumbed out of the city and on the outside of the street uh, talking to himself and healing. Is that right? Certainly. No, it's just a pact of unbelief and mingling with faith and uh, battles going on. Uh, pardon me, lady. I don't mean to be rude, but I have to be firm. But God knows us both, doesn't he? And he knows what you're here for. I don't know you. And what I'm trying to do is single your spirit from all these others to see if God can get in contact with both of us, like Jesus even sent his disciples away to talk to the woman. 
But if God will let me know what you're here for, just like the woman come to the well, will you receive him as to receive? It might be financial troubles. It might be domestic troubles. It might be sickness. I don't know. He does. But you will receive him. You will. You are, first thing, is a nervous condition. You're extremely nervous. That is right. Because I see you just walking back and forth. And you're, you got some trouble with the lungs, with the liver also. It's a malignancy. That's right. It's a malignancy. And you're something mixed up about Pentecostal. That's right. And then there's something about Presbyterian. That's right. And you're not from here. No. You're from another country, uh, north from here. It's a city I see spelled R-I-C, Richmond, Virginia. Right. That's right. That is right. You believe? Believe every word you say. God bless you, and I bless my sister in the name of Jesus Christ for her to return well. Amen. God bless you, sister. Go believing now. Don't doubt. How do you do, lady? Do you believe? You believe me to be his servant? If God will reveal to me what's your trouble, will you accept it? <clears throat> I, I can't help it, sir. See, the vision just leaves me. I, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, may you sit still. Cursed be you if you move from now on until you're called. For the sake of these others, I say it. If I be God's prophet, better be careful what you're doing. You're here for someone else. You're not here for yourself. It's a woman, and she's not here. It's your sister-in-law. She's got cancer. Expecting to die. That is right. Do you believe then that handkerchief you brought with you, go put it on her. Have faith in God. Let her live. God bless you. Bring the lady. You believe with all your heart? I'm a stranger to you. Never seen you in my life. God knows you. I don't. But you're suffering. You're really nervous. You have a distressed, disturbed nervousness. You're all upset about something. That's right. You're suffering with a nervousness and you're praying for somebody. It's a man. And that man is in the hospital. And it's a mental affair. Nervous mentalness. And that's your husband. Don't fear. Believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is here. He'll get well. Do you do it? Do you accept it? I can't heal you or heal him, but do you believe it? Amen. And go and you will receive it. Amen. Have faith in God. That's it. Have faith in God. You believe, sir? I'm a stranger to you. I've never seen you. We don't know each other. But God knows us both.
What about it, son? Are you believing? Don't doubt. No matter what's wrong with you, have faith now. You were praying. You're in a serious condition. You have an examination of something wrong in the rectum. It's a growth in the rectum. You have to sit on cushions, pads like that is right. That's that's saith the Spirit. That is true. I don't know you never seen you in my life, but that's true, isn't it? And you're not from here. You come from the east, coming this way, west, coming here. You come from a city called Charlotte. That's right. Your name's Charles. Yes. Your last name's Crook. Yes. That's right. You believe now Jesus is standing here? You believe it's him that knows you? Then go home, Mr. Pruitt, and receive your healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Have faith in God. Come, sir. We don't know each other, I suppose. Christ knows us both. You believe that? What you scared about? Your trouble's in your throat. You've got something where the doctor examined you. And he says these little pockets like or little things in your throat. And you've been up for an operation for a long time. You've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. You're scared of it. Don't be scared. Believe. You know you're standing in his presence. I don't know nothing about you. Isn't that right? You believe you're in his divine presence now? Then receive him. And be healed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason I laid my hands on you because that's what you wanted me to do. That's right. If that's right, wave your hand. Praise okay. the Lord. All right. Now, let's say praise the Lord. Come. You believe? The next time you get up, you won't have to get up that way then. Your back's been bothering you a long time. So just going off the platform rejoicing and praising God, your back will, trouble will leave you and you'll be well. You believe it? All right, now lay my hand. In the name of the Lord Jesus, may you receive it. Amen. I go believe it. Come, lady. Stop thinking that I'm reading their mind. I'm not. Here. I believe this. Lay your hand on mine, lady, just to contact. If God will tell me what's wrong with you and me looking this way, will you believe it with all your heart, the patient? You're suffering with a lady's trouble. It's a female condition. If that's right, raise your hand off of mine to the audience. Now, is that reading mine? Got a drainage from it. It's bad. It's right. It's an abscess on the ovary. But you get well. Your faith seals. You go ahead home and praise the Lord. Let's say praise be to God. You believe? Got something wrong with the disease in your bones right there on the end of the road, haven't you, brother? That's right. Yes. Your wife's sitting right behind you with diabetes. You believe that Jesus Christ make you well? You believe it? All right, raise up your hand. All right, you're going to have it. Amen. The Lord bless you. Your faith saves you, sir. Amen. Lady, what if I just told you you were healed before you come up here? Would you believe it? 
Think go back you was. <laughs> Unbelievable. A while ago when I said to that lady turning this way and told her about a female trouble, you was the one come before me. You had a female trouble too, a lady's trouble. You were healed. So just go ahead and thank you. Just believe with all you. Jesus can heal you the heart trouble, make you well. Do you believe that? Make you ever, all right, just receive your healing. Go back to your seat. Be made whole in the name of the Lord Jesus. You believe? Yes. Have faith in God. You got back trouble too, haven't you? Internal troubles too. You just been down a long time. You just got up out of the bed to come here. That's right. Walking on that stick. You're believing God's going to make you well, aren't you? All right. When the service is over, just throw your old cane or crutch back under there and just go ahead home. See, having faith. You've contacted him. He's praying that way. Liver trouble, isn't it? You believe me to be his prophet? A while ago when I turned to contact, I called a contact of you then, but I seen something. I waited just a minute. People were moving. I couldn't keep you in contact. You believe me to be his servant? You're not from here either. You're from a big city that's got a city on one side of a big river, and on the other side there's another big city, and there's bridges spanning across, and you're going by a great big place that's got a high tower on it, it's got some kind of a name writ up on it, and you're going up a hill. And that's near a big river. It's the Ohio River. And that place is Cincinnati, Ohio. You come here from Cincinnati, Ohio. That is right. If that's true, stand on your feet. Go back home healed because you're well. Your faith has made you whole. God bless you. Hallelujah. You believe him? What scientist to God? Nervousness too heavy. Scientists and nervousness and all upset. That's right. I'm not reading your mind, but that's the truth. Do you believe God? you believe me to be his prophet? Then raise up before the audience and witness that you believe it. And stand on your feet and be made well in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I challenge anybody here to look this way and believe. I do. And the whole group of you can be healed if you'll believe it. What more can you do? He's raised from the dead. He's here. His words are true. Do you believe it? Every one of you? Then have faith in God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, our Son, we condemn every sickness here and pray, God, that you will cast away every evil spirit, all unbelief, and make them well. And you too, sister, go and be Jesus' name, be healed. You believe? Raise up your hands. Stand up on your feet then. I don't care who you are. Stand to your feet and give God praise. Praise God.